0: Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. The title of the message this morning, we'll call it part one, God's Hedge of Protection, or I have a subtitle. If I had just looked up and our text is from Psalm 121, verses 3 through 4. Let's read verses 1 and 2. It's not our text, but it is where we've been. And it says, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. When you ask, where does my help come from? The superb, magnificent, wonderful answer to that question is found in Psalm 121 from verse 1 all the way through verse 8. Psalm 121 is known as a traveler's psalm. And this psalm reminds us that life is a journey, and we as believers are on a journey to the heavenly city to mount the heavenly mount zion we are on we are on a road trip we might be citizens of america but really our first citizenship once we were born again is in heaven we are citizens of heaven and that is where we're headed that is one reason the scripture calls us ambassadors for christ Because ambassadors are people who are in another country representing their home country. And you and I are ambassadors representing the kingdom of heaven. Psalm 121 is the second of a collection of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. And Psalms 120 through 134 are songs that the Jewish pilgrims sang as they traveled in caravan to Jerusalem to celebrate God's appointed festivals such as Pentecost, a Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles. Psalm 121, and that's why this song this morning was, bless my heart, is one of the most famous and beloved psalms. And the reason Psalm 121 is one of the most favored and beloved Psalms of all is this question, from where does my help come? Because that's a question we ask when struggles and trials come against us. Where does my help come from? Another thing we pointed out last week in Psalm, in verses 1 and 2, the Person, it's a singular pronoun. It's I. Where does my help come from? I look to the hills. But verses 3 through 8. Turns from the singular I. To you. And so there is. In this psalm. A partner. There's someone traveling along with this person. And since we're talking caravan. It's in my say my opinion that I think I'm right there's a group of people there's a congregation that's traveling with this guy who answers the question for him from where does my help come from these people are encouraging him and I believe he's encouraging them because he answers his own question in a very positive way as we preached last week we need people to encourage us But also we need to encourage other people. So as this journey begins from wherever they're leaving their home, they see the hills that will lead them to the city of Jerusalem. And when they see those hills, they are filled with something. Anticipation of arriving to the city of God and anxiety because it is not always a safe journey. It's things can go wrong. Things can happen. And so, when he looked at the hills, I, when we talked about this, three things can come to your mind. First of all, because there's danger, you can be intimidated. So you're filled with fear. Why? Because there's wild animals. There's robbers. There's thieves. It's a rough road. It's filled with. So you just. A little fearful the second thing you are filled with temptation because if you're fearful sometimes what you'll do is look for a way of escape you'll be looking for how you can take care of yourself if something goes wrong and i use the illustration when we went into the jungles of ecuador that as we traveled down the river i was always looking around to see what we would do if something happened and i won't go through that story again but the third thing is these hills could inspire us and this, these heals inspired this psalmist and these group of people. Because when he asked, from where does my help come? He says, my help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And so our goal, our hope is that this morning, as you hear God's word from this passage, that you'll be inspired to trust the Lord to help you. This gives us This psalm gives us a strong affirmation that God's help for us is available and it's always there. It doesn't matter whether the road is rocky and it doesn't matter whether the road is smooth. It doesn't matter if the journey is downhill, level, or uphill. It doesn't matter if it's easy or difficult. This psalm is telling you and me that God is there and our help comes from the Lord. Now last week I asked them, my point was, and I really was this. Who are these people? And we said these are the people of God because they had been elected. They had been chosen by God and we went through a little bit of the history of how Abraham and his family became the nation of Israel and they were chosen of God. But today I want to look at the God of the people and we'll look at that. Next week also, the God of the people. Five times the name Yahweh or Jehovah is mentioned in this text. Five times. And then four times he is mentioned in the third personal pronoun, singular pronoun, he. So nine times in eight verses, it's made very clear That it is God who is taking care of these travelers and these people who are on their journey. And I need to remind you of that truth also. The reason these people respond in verses 3 through 8 is because of the question. But I want you to get this, okay? He says, from where does my help come from? And then he answers his own question. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the crowd hears that. And perhaps they say, Amen. But they say, Wait a minute, child of God. He is so much more. He's our helper, He's our keeper. He preserves us. He watches out for us. He didn't just put the worlds, the world and the heavens in their place and step back and leave us alone. God isn't watching us from a distance. No, God is personally involved in our lives. He's so much more. And we need people in our lives. Say, that's good. And it's so much better. Amen. As you and I journey towards this city, these people are telling me that God is going to do everything, every little thing, every big thing, the whole shebang to make sure you arrive to the heavenly city where God has taken you. David wrote in Psalm 138, verse 8, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. I want you to say that with me before I finish the verse. Say it with me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Say it with me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. You ought to be taking notes. You ought to be writing this down. When you get home, you ought to go to Psalm 138, verse 8, and underline that little sentence there. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, and as we've preached, steadfast refers to God's, steadfast love refers to God's covenant love. It refers to what the King James says, loving kindness. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And not only are the heavens and the earth the work of his hands, you are too promise he'll never leave us nor forsake us the apostle paul wrote encouraging the romans in chapter 8 verses 38 through 39 i hope you can see that but i hope what i want you to see is the commas in this paragraph and i hope you get what i'm saying it for i'm persuaded every time i read those Words of their other in Timothy also for I'm persuaded that neither death pause nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The next time you read Romans chapter 8, I want you to read it as as it's written and pause at every comma and think about what has been said. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, and I am sure of this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What Psalm 121 is telling you and me that God is going to make sure that you finish the race, that you win the prize. Now I'm going to preach on the final judgment. I've told you that and I'm going to keep telling you until I get there. But you need to understand something. There's too many people who have an easy, easy gospel and give you the idea that if you somehow meandered up here and wandered up here and gave your, uh, said a little prayer that you were were automatically, I think it's a start. Because the God who saves you is the God who will lead you to heaven. And there's a lot of people who think, well, back 30 years ago, I went forward and did something. But they're no closer to God than a fence post. I believe God elects it. I believe God chooses, but I I believe God gets his people there. But he is Savior and Lord. And we don't believe in, I don't believe that you lose it. You don't get saved 85 times, you get saved. And then you live saved, you always live saved. And you may have some up and downs, but you live saved. I'm chasing a rabbit there, we'll leave that rabbit alone. Listen, they're saying to you and me, God's people's help does not come from Baal. It does not come from any other ancient false god, and it doesn't. His help doesn't come from our modern idols of money and stuff, and politicians and technology. Our, or our help comes from the Lord Almighty, and they are saying to you and me, the only one you can count on, the only one you can trust, whether it's day or night or any time, is the Lord who made, who is the Creator of heaven and earth. He who is the one who never sleeps or slumbers. He is the one who is there day and night, verses five and six. He is the one who protects us from all evil now and forever. Verses seven and eight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is the Lord who watches out over you and me. Now I told you verses one and two. If you were going to outline it, if you needed a little outline and want to write, so that I'd write verses by verses one and two. The power of the Lord is before you and me. You could write, since it's just your Bible, "Lord, the power of the Lord is before me." But verses three and four tell us the Lord's provision is with you and me. And let's read our text this morning. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep this is God's word for God's people and all God's people said thanks be to God amen amen God will not allow your foot to be moved he will not allow you to slip he'll not allow you to slide he will not allow you to stagger he will not allow you to be shaken you won't stumble because God is watching over you moment by moment you're under God, Yahweh's watchful care all the time. And so first of all, it's telling you and me that our footing is secure and is stable. As these people traveled to Jerusalem, you need to understand, they didn't have any paved highways. They didn't have any engineered freeways. The roads were rocky. They were rough. They were well-trodden. Some of the paths were narrow and dangerous. Some of them went along a bluff or a ravine. There's times life is filled with danger and fear. And at times, it'd be easy to stumble and hurt yourself or stumble and fall and kill yourself. It'd been easy. One little mistake, drive off that cliff to fall off. It'd be fatal cause great bodily harm. But God says I'm going to keep your foot firm and I'll keep your foot stable. If you're in one of those narrow paths of life when you're wondering, <laughs> you're saying I can't go back, and I sure can't go right, and I sure can't go left, and I'm really not sure what's in front of me, but I'm God is leading me and that God is guiding me. And so he keeps your footing sure. Another thing, In the scripture is fighting. The Lord will help you in the battles of life. Because I'll tell you something. In the battle of life in the ancient world with shields and swords. If you were knocked off your feet, you were probably gone. The enemy had a superior advantage over you. He would be victorious over you. And so that's why the Bible tells you and me to put on the whole armor of God, to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, take up the shield of faith, take up the sword of the spirit and put on your feet the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, let me tell you something. The Roman soldiers... Shoes had what they called hot-nailed boots. They had the ancient version of the modern cleat so they would be stable and so they would be secure. And the Apostle Paul is telling you and me that we need to dress ourselves in the whole armor of God and don't forget to put your shoes on. But He'll keep you stable and secure. You, the enemy, your enemy, will be threatening to knock you down, to hurt you, defeat you. But God will make sure you're standing and that you're firm. See what happens? Sometimes in life, you do like this guy may have done in the beginning, and look at the hills and say, "Wow, they're filled with danger." I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you may find yourself sometimes facing a situation that is far bigger than you are. And you will. And it may overwhelm you. That will make you shake in your boots and in your shoes. You know, being filled with fear can cause you to slip. In Psalm 73, verses 2 through 3, Asa, a psalmist, one of the psalmists wrote, listen to this, as for me, my feet were almost gone. Here's a psalmist. Here's a guy who's writing Holy Scripture telling you and me that I almost lost my footing. I almost lost my way. Why? For I was envious of the foolish when I saw their prosperity Of the wicked. Remember when I talked about the hills? One reason they were tempted? Because when they looked at the hills, they thought, well, those people aren't making the journey. They're doing okay. They're doing well. Because on those hills, they had built altars and shrines of false gods. And so there would have been the temptation not to go. Why go? Nobody else is going. They all seem to be okay. And here's Asaph, a psalmist, a man of God who says, I almost became overwhelmed because of the prosperity of the wicked. But then he says in that psalm, But I went to God's house. I went to God's house. The Lord led me to the story of David after he had lost his son, the baby. And you know, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. That God would spare the child. and As we know, God did not spare the child. And so I read that passage and say, what did David do? He went to God's house. First and foremost. And then he went home. And he ate. And people said, well, what's going on here? You wept and cried and prayed. Now you're going on as though nothing has happened. Not true. Now is. Here's the fact. One day I'll go. And I'll be with a child. He couldn't stay with me. But I'll go where he's at. But he went to God's house. Here's Asa about to be knocked off his feet. Because he can't understand why the world is winning. Getting richer. Why the people of God are suffering. But he goes to God's house and he says, I saw the end of the wicked. I saw what would happen. They don't win. I win. God's people win. And therefore he said in verses 23 and 24 of that great chapter, here's what he says. I'm continually with you. We love that. I... I, we love that thought. God will never leave us, forsake us. But are you one of those Christians who can say, God, I am continually with you? I'm continually with you. Well, notice what he says after that. You hold my right hand. I'm continually with you and you hold my right hand. You better not hear, miss next week's message on right hand. Okay it's in the next verses. You guide me with your counsel. I'm continually with you. That's my testimony. That's what I'm talking about. When you're saved, you can say that. I'm continually with you. Jude picks it up in chapters, verses 24, I have only one chapter there. Oh, uh, Wrecks my heart is, I realize people say, well, you don't preach this, you don't preach that. Well, hey, you ought to you ought to say, When are you gonna preach out the book of Jude? I need to. But here, listen to what Jude wrote. Brother of our Lord. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, him who is able to keep you and you and you and you from stumbling, and to present you, you blameless before the presence of his glory. With great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And that's what these Old Testament saints were saying. They and Jude were saying that Jude of the New Testament was agreeing with the saints of the Old Testament. God will keep us. Psalm 37, verses 23 through 24 says, The steps of a man. I don't know. I've, every time I say that, I think there's a song or maybe there's a translation that says, The steps of a good man. Have you heard that? Are established by the Lord. But the English Standard Version doesn't have that adjective, good. But there's nothing wrong with it. I'll tell you why. Read the next little line. When he delights, the steps of the man are established by the man, uh, by the Lord. When he delights in his way. If you're happy on the journey. If you're delighting, delight yourself in the things of God. If you love serving God. We can put good man there. He. His steps are established by the Lord, and though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I'm telling you, Charlie, the Lord will keep you on your feet. This is the promise of the Lord to you and to you and to you and to you. He will not let your foot be moved. Oh, But what happens... If for some reason God's not watching or God misses or God's not paying attention twice in this passage, it tells us he doesn't slumber or sleep. But what I want you to realize is the first part is personal. God is watching out over you. But the second part is it's corporate. He's watching out over all of us as a body, as a group of believers. We're in this together. We're in a caravan on the way to the heavenly city of God Almighty. Our divine keeper, Jehovah Yahweh, will not sleep and He will not slumber. He's always awake. He's not slumbering. He's not sleeping. He's always watching. The gods of this world sleep. The gods of this world need rest, but not Yahweh. God doesn't slumber, it tells us at twelve twice. He doesn't doze off, he doesn't go to sleep, he doesn't get tired, he doesn't take naps. God is awake at the noonday. And God is awake at the midnight hour. God is awake at your darkest hour. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at four one seven four seven two. 3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference.